From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael, Managing Editor of Crypto for Bloomberg News. And this is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily Bloomberg iHeart podcast. It's Wednesday, August 3rd. It's safe to say that Coinbase has had a rough couple of months. The company has had to manage an internal employee position about its management, respond to speculation about bankruptcy, and even been the subject of intense regulatory scrutiny. And that's before we get to its share price. And then in late July, things got even trickier. Federal prosecutors charged a former Coinbase product manager, as well as his brother and a friend, with allegations of insider trading. The cherry on top? The Securities and Exchange Commission followed with its own allegation that Coinbase has been running an illegal securities exchange. Here to help us understand what's at stake for Coinbase, one of the leading crypto exchanges in the world, and for all digital currency users, is Bloomberg Businessweek columnist Max Chafkin. Max, good to have you on the podcast. Great to be here. You are one of those folks who, I've said this to other, to other folks on the podcast, like when you're on to talk about a company, it's probably not good news for the company that we're going to talk about. So today we're going to talk about Coinbase. <laughs> What's been happening with Coinbase? Right. Okay, so a handful of things. I mean, one is, and, and maybe important context, of course, is the crypto markets have not been great. You know, as a result, they're going through a lot of the same issues that pretty much everyone in this space is going through. But then there's this other thing that's going on, which is that July 21st or thereabouts, the DOJ arrested the Department of Justice. One of yeah, the Department of Justice, excuse me, arrested a former product manager, somebody who had been working on new token listings and accused him of basically insider trading, of of taking information about listings that were going to go on Coinbase and passing them to his brother and another investor and profiting from that. And at the same time, and this is where it starts to get even worse for Coinbase, the SEC comes out and issues its own insider trading complaint and says, oh, by the way, some of these tokens that were being insider traded are not assets, they are securities. And the implication, of course, is that Coinbase would be operating an illegal securities exchange, which would be bad and which would put aspects of their overall business at risk. And, you know, it's important to say, so so this is a really, this, this indictment, it makes for really good reading. <laughs> it's very colorful. This guy who was busted was busted because of a, a crypto influencer named Kobe, who basically spotted these transactions, t- 
tweeted about them. And then that tweet found its way first to Coinbase and, and ultimately to the Department of Justice. So that's sort of a bad look for Coinbase. Um, but but it's important to say, you know, no one's accused them of wrongdoing. But then at the same time, as Bloomberg reported just a few days later, the SEC is also looking into basically this very question, was Coinbase operating or is it operating an illegal securities exchange? Is it selling securities that have not been vetted by the SEC in the proper way? And that's something that Coinbase you know, really cares about because it could imperil their business, create all sorts of regulatory problems for them down the road. Last year, remember, this is when it really started to get very contentious between the industry and the agencies. And, you know, what Brian Armstrong said at that time is they refused to tell us why they think it's security and instead subpoena a bunch of records from us. We comply, demand testimony from employees. We comply and then tell us that we they'll sue us if we launch certain products. A lot of this is being done through enforcement rather than rulemaking itself. So until the agencies decide what's a current what's a commodity and what's a security, it's going to be very difficult for the industry to uh, to work around that. That was about Brian Armstrong, who's the CEO of Coinbase. Clearly, there's a lot of stuff going on here. <laughs> so I want to kind of tease apart a few different things that you said. And I sort of want to start with the, you know, the how all of this came to light. In April of this year, Coinbase, seemingly out of nowhere, published a blog post that was like, here are some changes that we have made. That would make it more difficult for people to insider trade in tokens. We're not saying that that has happened, but if it were to happen, it's now harder to do. And at the time, you know, various of us were like, hmm, interesting. And now we know that the reason that that post went out on the Coinbase Medium blog in April was related to them finding out that this former employee had been engaging in this kind of behavior and the, you know, and the company has confirmed as much my question back to you about this is when we are reporting on these kinds of companies, on these kinds of investigations, who in a lot of other senses in crypto like to say, like, we're super transparent. We always tell everyone what's going on. But when it has come down to here are weird things that are happening, they get a little bit cagey. They get a little bit traditional. And it's really contrasted to, you know, Brian Armstrong, the CEO of Coinbase, willing to go on Twitter and just like yell at the SEC. But they weren't necessarily forthcoming about the fact that this thing has happened. What do you think explains that tension? Well, I mean, this probably just gets to my own <laughs> being a cynical journalist and having followed, you know, tech companies for a long time. I mean, I just think, you know, we shouldn't take the ideology that seriously, at least the ideology of transparency. Yeah, exactly. At least insofar as we're like trying to understand the actions of a very large public company, which is what Coinbase is. Mm -hmm. They've done a lot of stuff over the past couple of years. It's funny because I've been familiar with this company a long time. I met with the founders, you know, back in, you know, kind of like the mid 2010s when they were this sort of hotshot Silicon Valley company. And, and their whole thing back then was that they were like the most conservative crypto company. They were the one that like followed all the rules. They had like much stronger KYC. Uh, that's know your customer rules. You know, you needed basically you needed a bank account. You need to show a, a driver's license if you wanted to buy tokens. And really, they only sold Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. I mean, for the, for the for a really long time, it, it, Bitcoin, Ether, I think Litecoin, maybe one other. But of course, something flipped. And, and the thing that flipped was that the market for tokens boomed and you had a, a couple of other exchanges. I think most importantly, Binance, you know, really move aggressively into listing all these other tokens, um, taking their market share. And there was like a clear choice that was made, I think, starting probably around 2018, but that became even more pronounced 
when they went public, which was last year in May of or April of 2021, where basically they just went way more aggressive. And when you do that, that puts you at odds with the SEC and, and, and the U.S. government. And at the same time, they were sort of adopting this kind of edgier regulatory pose. Mm-hmm. Brian Armstrong, the CEO, kind of comes with this new sort of positioning for the company, which is this like bad boy uh, in, in a couple of different ways. One is that in September of 2020, you know, as protests around uh, George Floyd's murder were going mm-hmm. on, there was a lot of activism inside of Coinbase. He comes out and basically declares that, you know, we're going to be a no politics company. We're going to be anti-woke. And that is a way to like, that, that generates a lot of attention. And then we see, you know, kind of throughout the last couple of years, him taking, as you said, this kind of very muscular right. communications approach where he's like trash talking the SEC and things like that. And at the same time, spending huge sums of money on lobbying, you know, working really hard to kind of work things, you know, in Washington. And I think this is all related because they see this fight coming and now it's here and, and they've been sort of preparing for it. And that preparation includes you know, lobbying. It includes all this legal work and sort of messaging around their process. And of course, it includes a, a cultural component. We have sometimes received cranky emails from listeners of this show about the idea that there could be a cultural component to to crypto, that crypto is like politics neutral, value neutral, and it's about the purity and sanctity of the blockchain, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and folks listening cannot see this. Max is giggling. And, and Max, you know, what you're saying is that, no, there is there are some explicitly politicized elements to the way this fight is shaping up. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you can look at their their spending. I mean, you know, their, their lobbying spending is is open. I mean, the last time I looked, I think it's like a couple million bucks over the last, I, th- I can't remember if it's the last year or last two years, but, the, you know, they're spending significant sums of money in Washington. And you can see it in the way that Armstrong is communicating. You know, he, you know, there was a, a Republican SEC commissioner published a, a sort of like counterpoint. Hester to Pierce. The, yeah, yeah, to this. And so anyway, they're like, they have allies, they have conservative allies, they have, you know, politicians that they're trying to work. And, and, and of course, it's political, because yes, like Coinbase is promoting many of these values, as you said, transparency, and, and so on. But it's also a public company, you know, with a headquarters in the United States, and it's under the jurisdiction of, uh, you know, the US government. And, and it has tried to use those things to, to help it. Like I said, along the way, like, Coinbase, one of the ways it got customers early on is that it was seen, and I think maybe still is seen, as safer, more reliable, and so on, compared to some of these more aggressive exchanges. We'll be right back with more from Bloomberg Businessweek columnist Max Chafkin on the future of Coinbase. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Bloomberg 
has learned that Coinbase is facing a U.S. investigation on cryptocurrency listings. This move comes as a chorus of U.S. regulators to do more to oversee the crypto industry has grown louder. One of the things that hurts them earlier this year is Brian Armstrong on Twitter kind of coming out and saying, you know, hey, and he in, in this thread that was about an otherwise very unremarkable like SEC required filing used the B word like invoked bankruptcy. <laughs> and he's like in the in the unlikely event that anything were to happen, et cetera, et cetera. But of course, people on Twitter don't read. <laughs> they just they just saw Coinbase plus bankruptcy. And there was just a lot of freaking out about that. So in in the grand scheme of if you were Coinbase's PR company or you know you were somebody like helping them with image management, what would be some of the things you might expect to see them change, if anything, over the next couple of months as they get much more into this fight with regulators? Well, I think, and maybe we're already seeing it. I, I think they're going to be again less aggressive in terms of marketing, in terms of. Like anything you do to say, uh, you know, your crypto investment is going to is going to make you rich or whatever Mm -hmm. is going to create some potential exposure with the SEC. And I I mean, I think the SEC is like very attuned to the prospect that like regular people could get hurt Mm -hmm. by buying, you know, dumb stuff. And Coinbase has been selling a lot of stuff. uh, You know, I don't want to say it's dumb, but of maybe of questionable value. I mean, when you look at. Yes, higher risk assets. And they've done some things to try to kind of, you know, walk a line where, where I think certain tokens are labeled differently. But again, when you when you look at where they were, you know, a few years ago and, and you look at where they are today, like some of these tokens are very lightly traded. They're not companies that you would have heard of. It's definitely closer to, to, to a penny stock. Mm-hmm. And and of course, there's a those are those are very volatile assets, and so I think we're going to see them backing off, you know, in terms of the, the the sort of messaging. A couple of weeks ago, they ended their affiliate affiliate marketing program, yep. which was kind of interpreted as some kind of oh no, like the, maybe the company's in jeopardy. But I do wonder if if that may be part of a, an, an effort to be like a little bit less aggressive in in how they message to prospective customers. And how did their affiliate marketing per- program work? So I believe that. You were basically, if you signed up a new investor mm-hmm. as an in, a crypto influencer, you would get like a link uh, or for th- yeah, there's a link, and then every trade they make for a certain period of time, you're getting a cut of their commission. That's this is something that Binance has used really aggressively and very effectively. Mm-hmm. It does have some sort of multi-level marketing vibes. It does it kind of creates you know this this sort of sort of third party that you know is 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 kind of acting on behalf of the company but to me that feels like it could be something that was done less as a cost cutting measure and more as a let's try to you know kind of back off some of the the more aggressive marketing practices the biggest question that a lot of people have right now in this environment where you know lenders have frozen withdrawals other types of crypto companies have been largely in distress is okay well i have large deposits at Coinbase or I'm one of the people who has allowed like my paycheck to be paid into my Coinbase account. Like what's next for me if all of this regulatory stuff happens? Like how do you see any of this shifting? To me, like if you were had a lot of Coinbase exposure, you should be more worried about your crypto exposure rather than the particular risk of like Coinbase getting hit by the, you know, SEC because, uh, you know, I, I don't think like customer deposits and that sort of thing are going to be at risk. And I don't think people should be thinking about it that way. It's more, you know, what is the risk to Coinbase stockholders, people right. who uh, are own 
equity in the company itself and who or their bondholders. Right. Yeah. Positioned itself as like, this is the future of finance. Like maybe it's not the future of finance. Maybe it was just this kind of flash in the pan thing that took advantage of a, of a boom that is not going to exist for a long time. It could also get muscled out by, like I said, some of these other competitors, Binance, for instance. So I think it's more about that. I think there you know, questions about, you know, exactly what tokens are able to be marketed in the future. So that's going to have you know, implications for entrepreneurs and, mm-hmm. and so on who are building businesses on this platform. I think it also has implications for some of the big venture capital firms, some of these like institutional crypto investors who were, you know, using the tokens as a way to to make their investments alongside equity. I mean, there, there are a lot of questions about, you know, exactly what happens to that if there is greater regulation in, in the U.S. So, so definitely don't think there's a, a lot of risk for uh, just like regular people beyond like assets going down or going to zero, which I think is the thing people should be most worried about. It's definitely the thing a lot of people are worried about right now. So amazing. Well, Max, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. You can find more of Max Chafkin's columns and reporting on the Bloomberg Terminal, on Bloomberg.com and on Twitter. He's at Chafkin. That's C-H-A-F-K-I-N. On the next episode of Bloomberg Crypto, digital buy now, pay later options skyrocketed over the last several years, and they were definitely everywhere in the early days of the pandemic. And now the NPL has come for crypto through a decentralized finance lender called Teller. Is this really a good idea? Bloomberg reporter Mr. Lina Egolfopoulou will join me for a discussion on how buy now, pay later fits into the crypto economy. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Send us your comments, questions, or suggestions for the show to crypto at Bloomberg.net. Or find us on Twitter, we're at crypto. The supervising producer of Bloomberg Crypto is Vicky Vergalina. Our senior producer is Janet Babin. Our producer is Sharon Barrero. Associate producer is Ty Butler. Desta Wonderad is our engineer. Original music by Leo Sidrin. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael. We'll be back tomorrow. in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for the Future Investor, Data-Powered Transformations. This 2024 event series will examine how data is not only playing a pivotal role in investment decisions, but serves as a driving force behind the construction of innovative, investable enterprises. This series is proudly sponsored by Invesco QQQ. Register at BloombergLive.com slash Future Investor slash radio.